1: Xu. And I'm Julie Krafchick. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Welcome back, friends. And let's discuss dating in all its glory um, while we're still on this summer break bonus episode, period, It's been really fun bringing back old episodes, even just for ourselves, because Mm -hmm. we have so many freaking episodes.
0: (laughs) Every week, we're like, okay, which one are we going to do? You know, last week was sex party. That was an epic one. This week, we're really excited, too, because, you know, when you've done 300 plus episodes, some of these gems can get lost. That's just the reality. And, you know, we can only control Apple Podcasts and Spotify so much. Like, there's no way for us to pin these and
1: bring them back. So I think this has been a good, good alternative. Many of you have DM'd us saying, you all should do an episode on this topic. (laughs) And then... More likely than not, we'll we'll have already done that topic, and then we'll just send you the link. But it's so funny, like there was one recently about herpes, right? You yeah, know, a lot of people always want to want an episode about herpes. We do. We have an episode called "Yes, I Have Herpes." That's the episode
0: <laughs> name with the book by the same title. Yes, no, that was such a great episode, and I I really think like Spotify actually I would say a little better than Apple Podcasts, like for search. If you type Mm. in herpes datable, you probably would (laughs) have got it back. I hope you all do. Let's just make that our SEO keywords that bring us to the top. I want like page one Google ranking for herpes. Okay, I'm just going to say when we get our Google stats, what's always at the top is diaper fetish. Always Mm. at the top. Either a lot of other people haven't done content in this topic, which is possible that we've gotten our niche somehow. We did do two episodes on the topic, not just one, but two. No fail, it always comes back.
1: So what you're saying is we should really be bringing Pivot. Back- Diaper (laughs) fetish episode. Yes, just for SEO. It was still a great – I mean, both of those episodes were great and we still reference it till today. So obviously Mm -hmm. they've made an impact on our lives. But yeah, maybe it's like the more niche topics (laughs) will get us – Page I one think,
0: views. Yeah, SEO wise, maybe not listens wise. It's actually warm my heart that we've had a bunch of people reach out recently about the friendship episode we did, mm-hmm. saying that mm-hmm. it was just really, you know, what they needed to hear in that moment. And it makes me really happy because, you know, it is that relationship that we just don't talk about as often.
1: Yeah, and something that's at the core of everything we do every day. You're always going to have friendships, you know, throughout life, but relationships, Can come and go. I realized that to have a healthy, sustainable relationship, you almost do have to build that friendship first. And I think that's why, you know, back in the day when you meet a coworker, a neighbor, someone through a friend, and then you develop a romance over time, those relationships are pretty solid because you didn't start with the premise of just being romantic. And I think sometimes these days we skip that step because we go straight to the romantic side of things and then we. know kind of forget building that that friendship is so important definitely i think though our generation actually is set up
0: well for this at the same time like i hear what you're saying about the meeting and all that but i do think the gender roles being down and not being as much of a focus anymore we're gonna go into a deep dive next week on barbie movie UA and I have yet to see it. We want to retract our sexist comments because we've heard that the Barbie movie is, you know, just all about women's empowerment. But I was like talking to my mom about this and she's like, oh, I don't know what it's going to be like to go with your partner and... You know, have him watch it with you because it's like more, I, again, I haven't seen it yet, but I guess what I've heard is it's more about like women living their lives and I, my response to her is I was like, I don't think he's gonna react that way because like that's not how our relationship is set up. Like he fully understands that I could I don't need him in any way. It's I choose him every day. Like, having yeah. that mentality sets you up to find a partner that you do have that friendship with. It's not like you're going because you need something Something from them
1: I'm not retracting my comment I still think Barbie <laughs> is very sexist as a as a product I think the movie I'm sure I mean it's a feminist movie I Totally get it. That's a different point that they're trying to make. But if you didn't know what the movie is about and you see all the marketing, all you want to do is be like Barbie, dress like Barbie. And it's like these basic bitches in like their pink costumes on Instagram every day. You know, that's the part I can't I can't get behind that. We're still perpetuating this image that Barbie is kind of like the ideal. But I think in the friendship realm, though, it's like many of you have said, you know, these are things I tolerate in dating. The ghosting, mm. the bad dating mm-hmm. behavior. And if you were to ground that from a place of friendship, you would never tolerate that no. with a friend. A, no. would, if a friend ghosted you, you'd be like, what the fuck? You call them out. You'd be like, what What are you doing? So, so for some reason, the same standards we have for friendships, we don't apply them to relationships or in early dating, let's just say. And I hope that we can do more of that. After this episode, we can say, well, if I treat my friends this way yeah. when I and my friends treat me this way. I should expect the same in dating. I mean, I think this ties into
0: this episode that we're re-airing too today as we're talking with Mark Manson, who is a best-selling author. You've probably heard of The Subtle Art of, of Not Giving a Fuck. He has a new movie out too that I caught. You know, it's funny, I heard him on a different podcast and he's like, you can catch my movie on an airplane. And I'm like, <laughs> that's actually where I saw
1: it. Yeah, that's the only place I saw it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if it's just widespread or maybe that is the best demographic. I don't know. You are a captive for potentially five to six hours, depending on where you're flying. That's true. And, yeah, you just need to get. I saw like podcasts on United. I'm like, how do we get on here? Because this I know, is a I good know. audience to reach, right? <laughs> People are bored. But, anyways, I think this episode, I mean, you probably have heard I think the article, it's like fuck yes or fuck no. He wrote this article a long mm-hmm. time ago, and it was basically about like if you don't feel like a fuck yes to somebody like what are you even doing Mm -hmm. and He's become this unofficial dating guru, which is not what he set out to do. But I think a lot of his advice of just life holds true for dating. But he did do this Audible original called Love Is Not Enough. We got the pleasure of speaking with him after. And, you know, we talk about that of like he followed a handful of daters and some of them were in situations that were less than ideal. Mm -hmm. But they stayed because they believed like love conquers all. Yeah. Or they also Felt like they had this vision of what love is. So there was like one I remember that he was like, "Oh yeah, I can go travel across the country for a first date." And there's something very like innocent and romantic about that, but just also very unrealistic Mm and living in a fantasy. So it, it was a very interesting conversation of just like how society portrays love and how that actually gets in our way. And you know, we love talking about this topic. We've we've talked about society, how society's fucked us pretty much for years.
1: Yes, over and over again. I feel so violated by society. (laughs) And this topic of love and even going back to when I was 13 years old, thinking about love and what that would be like, I truly felt like that'd be the end. That's it. You fall in love with someone. That's it. You've reached life's ultimate goal and you're going to be happy. And that's why it's so elusive. And that's why it's so coveted. And I remember the feeling of falling in love for the first time to my high school boyfriend at age 16. It's so funny because he and I still talk. He lives in LA. Mm -hmm. We have these deep conversations all the time. I I will never forget him because he is my first love, and he just happens to be in LA, too. And the first time he said "I love you," I remember just being like, "That's it! I only not need to school. I'm <laughs> <Did> done. <it>. Life <laughs> goal unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do this. We're gonna get married. Like life is over, <laughs> like in a good way. But then all the issues came up, all the traumas came up, all the drama, and I I remember just being a 16 year old, being like, "Isn't why is just being in love not enough?" Of? Why? Why are there so many other issues? And when you, you don't have an answer to that at sixteen, it, you're, you carry that into your twenties, into your thirties, into your forties. You're like, why is there more beyond love? So it's so great that he's able to uncover the mystery of love. Like that's great. You can fall in love, and something so beautiful and wonderful. But it doesn't mean that our compatible still no. or that you can have a sustainable relationship just from love I love that you said
0: 16 because I was like I went through this at 31 <laughs> <laughs> so there's no age that you can't go through this And even if you've been in love before I think another love can hit you differently too yeah like I had such a hard time letting go of my I would say first real love like Mm -hmm. mutual like I don't know it's not like it was my first relationship but it just hit me different than other past people and I had such a hard time letting this go. I've talked about this on the podcast many of times, this on-again, off-again relationship, because in my head, I viewed this as the one, as the person. And he was also telling me that, too. So it wasn't even just that I was making it up and living in a fantasy. Like He was telling me that, but then also couldn't actually do the things necessary to be in a committed long-term partnership. So it was like yeah. he was saying the stuff, but the actions weren't following through. And it was very hard to rectify. And I actually re-listened to this episode, Mark Manson. I think I was in the thick of this at the last part when I finally gave it that last run over COVID and decided like nothing had changed that this relationship just mm-hmm. wasn't gonna work. But it was that example of like how love really is not enough. Like it's a facet of a long-term partnership, but it can't be the only thing.
1: And anybody in a long-term partnership will tell you, am I in love with my partner every day? No. (laughs) There are days I don't love them. And then there are days that I do, and mostly I do, and there's always going to be love for them. But this idea that every day just you wake up with butterflies in your stomach, like, I'm so in love with you, babe. And we're gonna take on the world together. It just doesn't, it's just so fantastical. And it's like not based in reality. And I also feel like, you know, going through what I'm currently going through, I something that that's been healing for me as fucked up as this is, I look back through the text messages that he sent me during the time of his betrayal because I mm. want to see what he was communicating to me. Did I miss something? And very easily he would say, I love you. I miss you. Can't wait to see you. Love you so much. Love you, love you, love you. Like just a lot of love yous. I, I, I don't know if there's a better example of how love is not enough. You can still say these yeah. things and I don't, I'm not going to discredit them because we were in love. But But it doesn't mean that this person's still good for me doesn't mean that right. this person is going to remain faithful to me uh, so it's so com- relationships are so complicated love is so complicated but it can be less complicated if we don't put all of our weight into one thing right yeah it needs to be the whole
0: picture i think that's what i've learned like yeah. i it's it's hard because i like still feel like i'm in that stage of relationship because i'm what a little over two two and a half mm-hmm. years so i'm not i haven't hit like five six years you know I'm a little afraid there is a side of me that's afraid that I'll like lose that feeling when I wake up you know of just like feeling so in love and having like every day feel that way and it's not that like I don't know the inner romantics listening it's kind of depressing to hear like oh there's days that you just don't love your partner or when they say I love you it's not enough to hear but I think ultimately it's like it's a piece of the puzzle it's not the entire bit like other things need to be in place too and like words and actions need to align at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Don't be afraid of that. I don't, it's not like you're going to wake up one day. I don't know, it could be different for you. It's not like you're going to wake up one day and be like, I'm not in love with my partner. <laughs> it's just that you forget to feel that love you just like not something you think about
0: yeah i think appreciation is so important i mean it's a little off topic but it's like when you are with someone for a while it's easy to take it for granted and my partner and i actually like there was a period i wouldn't say we took each other for granted but i think we've like re-stepped up of like okay we are very lucky that we found each other because you start to just get complacent of like oh of course like this part of life is in place uh yeah we all want that love that's what we all desire that's That's what society's been fed to us. But this is a nice reality check of how it's important, but it's not everything.
1: What did Helen Fisher say about love Uh, chemically, that it's similar to taking Coke yeah, (laughs) and something else? Uh, I need to look it up. Uh, something very scientific it does something to your brain so that you become addicted to it gives you this rush of adrenaline yet it's not none of it is based in reality kind of like when you do coke you can't be doing coke every minute of the day (laughs) well i think it's a good point too is like lust in love is also very different
0: like we Mm. conflate the two a lot especially in the early days when someone hasn't proven that they actually are relationship material we're going off of Lust, which actually is kind of in line with this tiktok trend i wanted to bring up because oh right i had the pleasure unfortunately ua had a prior commitment at the time but i had the pleasure of being on all of it new york public radio ua and i've been guests a couple of times looking back i actually saw that we'd been five times on that show wow. yeah i didn't even realize it was that many or this was the fifth time but still it's a lot but they actually reached out to us to talk about the triangle method which has been taking That's tiktok by storm so for anyone that's unaware what it is is basically eye contact that you go i'm gonna try it on ua right now i go from one <laughs> left eye Ooh. down to her mouth Ooh. down to her right eye and then back to her left eye that was so kind creepy d- <laughs> you know, I okay, I will say that I think I'm just bad at this type of stuff because I get in my head, like I've never been good at making like eye contact at bars. Like I always just look creepy. And I did the triangle method to my partner, and he was just like, What are you doing right now? But I okay, why well, bring it up though? It's a very interesting topic because the reason why it's blown up on TikTok is it's like this is the foolproof way to make someone fall for you or to fall in love. And I think think you know as a society we're always looking for that like trick and hack and especially in today's world where you know you can get an uber or a meal or anything in like five minutes right you mm-hmm, <laughs> did the touch mm-hmm. of your fingertips we're on demand we want it instantaneously so i'm not surprised that people are looking for this but it's just one of those things too that it's so in line with what we're talking about it's like you give one look and now your problems are solved and this right. person's in love with you like, that's just not how it works and you know all for eye contact but also like don't be creepy when you do it
1: <laughs> oh i i can't wait to see people do- put this into practice and also how do these trends start on tiktok i don't i don't don't get it like one person does we need to come up with our own method the dateable method and just have it take off like you stare at someone's right earlobe for five seconds (laughs) and then rub your left shoulder if someone was staring at
0: my mouth i would think i had like food in my teeth i wouldn't think that they were trying to hit on me and show their interest
1: yeah, I know that's so strange. How about we just keep it simple? Just make eye contact. That's the one thing we don't do these days. And I yeah. find that so sexy when someone can maintain eye contact, but not too much eye contact. Oh yeah, there's I mean, a line. Like, yes, yeah, don't be stalker staring. But yeah, when they when someone's talking to you, yeah, even like just. I don't know. Sometimes if I'm opening the door for someone or walking through a doorway and I come in contact with a stranger, it's so lovely when they make eye contact. They're like, thank you. You know, It's very intentional. So for that, I'm
0: very all for the triangle method. If it's going to give us an excuse to make eye contact, I think that's really good. Or to even make your interests known. I feel like today's world, we're also afraid to show our cards in any way that we're just hiding behind screens. So the more that people can engage in real life, Life and make eye contact, that's phenomenal. But also don't get in your head and don't overthink it either.
1: That's where it goes. <laughs> if it's not natural for yeah. you,
0: like, don't yeah.
1: do it. Like, don't <laughs>
0: don't or don't go. use it to replace communication. Like, I don't think you yeah. can like give someone the eye and just be like, oh, they never walked over to me. They're not interested. Or they never asked me out further. They're not interested. They may not have even known that you were giving them the right. signal just ask right. if
1: you want to go out with them ask yeah i know we can't there are no hacks yeah and that's what people are looking for that's i think that's what the trends are on tiktok yeah totally everything's hacks right and i think there are hacks to like how to get your silver jewelry cleaner <laughs> like that yes but how to get to someone's heart there's just no shortcut to that no. and yeah these triangle methods maybe like it helps improve your confidence it pro- improves yeah. your flirtatious skills but it doesn't like it doesn't carve a, a path to someone's heart. Like that's not no. how it works. So, yeah, uh, I'd love to see all of you try it. But <laughs> end of the day, just try eye contact. And I just looked up chemical makeup of when you're in love. And um, Helen Fisher says it's equivalent to if you have OCD on coke. Mm. So you become obsessively compulsive you're obsessed with this person and this higher level of energy and dopamine that comes over you so you can't get enough of this person like that doesn't sound healthy
0: no, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of nuance of this topic. We can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Let's also discuss it, you know, send us your thoughts. Like, yeah. tell us, do you think this is a realistic view? Do you still feel like, you know, now it's not romantic enough and you want to believe in the magic of love? Like, where are you on this love spectrum and how do you view it? Let us know because we love to hear your comments. You can always DM us at Dateable Podcast. Email us hello at datablepodcast.com. This is a good call out too because we are getting ready to come back for season 17. Ooh! And we're ready to take on some new brunch talk questions. So feel free to also send those. Maybe they relate to this topic or maybe they're totally different. We love it. We'll take it all. That's our announcement for today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget rating and review.
0: Good call. Okay. We did, did not finish our announcements. We are at 700 on Apple and like three oh, something so close. on Spotify. So So, I think our goal could be 500 on Spotify and 1,000 still on Apple. If you can give us that five-star rating, it really, really helps. If you're going to give us four stars or lower, maybe send us an email. (laughs) We do like feedback, but it really does fuck us. So please try to be aware. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Anything
1: lower than four stars, you can just keep it to yourself. (laughs) Or just don't
0: listen, you know? (laughs) Not every podcast is for everyone and that's okay.
1: Yeah, just like dating, right? Not everyone's going to be yeah. in a cup of tea, so just keep moving along. You do If you go on a date if you go on a first date with someone and you realize there's no chemistry, you're not going to be like slandering their name no. all over the internet, right? That's what it feels like. If you listen to one episode and you're like, "It's not for me," and then you give us a, a low rating, we would never do that to each other. Yeah, this isn't a paid product. <laughs> like, <there's laughs>
0: <laughs> There's thousands, thousands of other podcasts out there. But if you do have constructive feedback or topics you want to hear, we had a great yeah. post in the Facebook community Love in the Time of Corona. We did get a call out to change the name. We are also Never. on it. We get it. Never. We get it. There is a qu- I don't know. I don't know how much longer I want to see Never. Love in the Time of Corona either. We'll we'll figure it out. We're 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 on it. But Regardless, we do love getting input on topics or anything that we can approve the show on. But also, there are comments that are just like, okay, thanks. Like, what are we going to do with that? You know, yeah, right. So. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, without further ado, let's hear a few messages from our sponsors.
1: This episode is made possible by the books The Falling and The Burning by Anna Todd. You may recognize the name Anna Todd from her number one best-selling after series. But did you know that she has also written a new page turning romance trilogy? The first two books in the brightest stars are out now in our perfect summer reads. They're called The Falling and The Burning, just in time to heat up your summer. Set against the backdrop of a military base, 20-year-old Karina is proud of the independent life she's trying to create for herself in Fort Benning, Georgia. A dutiful officer's daughter, supportive sister to a troubled twin brother, and caring friend to her roommate, she always puts the needs of others ahead of her own. And when she meets a handsome soldier on the cusp of discharge, she's immediately intrigued by him, as their uncertain and unexpected friendship starts to turn into something more. Get your hands on these two books, The Falling and the Burning, by Anna Todd, wherever books are sold. First month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today.
0: Okay, let's hear it from Mark Manson about why love is not enough.
1: A few years ago, there was an article that was so popular, I think we referenced it on multiple (laughs) episodes. It was called Fuck Yes or No, and it was by an author called Mark Manson. And Mark and I, guess what? We have a lot in common. We both started a relationship blog over a decade ago, geared towards men. And I thought the same thing as you. I thought, this is just for my male friends. Who's going to read it? Who cares? It's a great (laughs) platform to just get my thoughts out there. And quickly, Mark saw his blog grow. And soon enough, strangers were reading this blog. Many people were coming to this blog. In fact, millions of people were coming to this blog. And that's where he is today. He is a self-help author, blogger, and entrepreneur, Obviously, we reference his very popular article, Fuck Yes or No, which can be found among many other articles on his website, markmanson.net. He's also the New York Times bestselling author of three books, Everything is Fucked, a book about hope, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, A Counterintuitive Approach to Living the Good Life, and Models, Attract Women Through Honesty. What? No fuck in that that title? You missed one there. You have the best title names by far. But now he has an Audible original called Love Is Not Enough that brings his signature no-nonsense wisdom and a lot of fuck words back <laughs> to the subject he started his career covering, which is about relationships. So he's 36 years old, lives in New York City, currently in lockdown, originally from Austin, and is married. So Mark, in Love Is Not Enough, kind of compare the Beatles song All You Need Is Love and then the Nine Inch Nail song Love Is Not Enough. <laughs> Why do you think, you know, this like rainbows and butterflies sort of approach to love, that, love conquers all is super flawed.
2: I think it's flawed in that we tend to assume that because something feels very good, it must be very good. And love tricks us a lot in that way. Like We can fall in love with people who are bad for us. We can fall in love with people who don't treat us well or who are not healthy for us but it's very hard to be aware of that when you're going through the experience of love or when you are falling for somebody and so a lot of what i write about in relation to dating relationships is trying to get people to be a little bit more thoughtful a little bit more self-aware of I guess the broader picture when that is happening, and so I kind of use the Beatles and Nine Inch Nails reference just because it's you know the irony with with the Beatles is that you know John Lennon saying all you need is love, but he like beat his wives and abandoned one of his kids and was yeah, just a most outrageous horrible outrageous husband asshole yeah and uh, and then Trent Reznor this guy who's like so famous for doing all this fucked up stuff on stage, writes a song called Love Is Not Enough. And if you look at his personal life, he is like the most functional, responsible Mm -hmm. (laughs) husband and father in the music industry. So I just thought it was very cool dichotomy.
0: Why do you think our society as a whole idealizes love so much and like thinks it's the solution to all problems?
2: Well, I mean, I, I guess a very cynical answer to that question is love sells well. Um, Mm. it's easy to sell love. Uh, We all love to see it. You know, we enjoy romantic movies and we enjoy seeing, you know, the people get together at the end of the movie and all those things. And so I think it's proliferated. You know, one thing that's interesting is that this whole idea that love can solve our relationship problems. It's a pretty recent thing in human history. It's only a couple hundred years old. Most of human Mm. history, people were actually very cynical about love. They thought it was as dangerous, if not more dangerous to the relationship than uh, otherwise.
1: Mark, do you personally believe in love?
2: Absolutely. My take on it is that love is like anything else. Like, you can, there are healthy forms of love and there are unhealthy forms of love. Like, we all do need love. Right. You know, Lennon wasn't wrong about that, but we need to be careful and make sure that the love is serving us and helping us.
1: I also believe love is a choice. It's not that once you fall in love, it just all your issues go away. The dishes that are unwashed <laughs> in the sink just some, somehow get cleaned all of a sudden. It's that this choice and constant choice every minute, every moment. And I think sometimes we forget that in relationships.
0: Oh, yeah. I think, especially like if you're single, you think that suddenly if you're in a relationship, you're going to be happy. And it, Usually doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So
1: in your Audible original, Love Is Not Enough, it's so fascinating. You follow five real people over the course of six months and they openly let you record all the <laughs> issues that they're bringing to you. <laughs> I think what's so fascinating is you relate everybody's problems back to like their history, their background, their, their upbringing. Because I think sometimes we forget that that's what creates who you are today.
2: There's one of my favorite relationship books is a, is a book by Harville Hendricks called Getting Love You Want. I'm biased, you know, you've seen my book titles, but I, I think it's a terrible <laughs> title, but the, but the book is fantastic. Doesn't have
0: fuck in it. <laughs> it doesn't have fuck, it's not
2: edgy, but it's, um. he talks about in that book, he talks about how, you know, our childhood and our upbringing, our relationship with our parents when we grow up, it kind of writes what he calls our emotional maps or our, our love maps. Um, and it's basically like how we uncover Consciously, like, find love in our lives. And so, when we keep running into the same dysfunctional relationships over and over again, it's he says it's usually because the, the love map that was written in our childhood pointed us to the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you have to kind of like learn to re- rewrite that map. In the case with the Audible original, like, it was important to find out these people's history, A, to kind of like get at what their love maps were. But also, it's like, I'm talking to these people for about an Hour a month. Mm-hmm. And I'm like going in completely blind. So I have no idea who these people are. I don't know what their past relationships were like, what their parents were like, where they grew up, anything. So a lot of the early conversations were just me trying to like drill down as quickly as possible to look for patterns in their relationships and their lives.
0: So do you think it goes back to just the way you were raised and just like the mental models you have around love? Or do you think there's other reasons that we? settle for these like less than ideal situations?
2: You know, I, I don't think upbringing has ever explains everything. A lot of it depends on circumstances. You know, there is dating is often com- compared to a market and there is a little bit of a market functionality to dating. You know, so depending on the city you're in, uh, your religious beliefs, your political beliefs, your lifestyle, um, your gender, your sexual orientation, like all of those things kind of affect where you're going to meet people, the circumstances in which you're going to meet people. And so I think there's a real like kind of practical day to day life component mm-hmm. that you have to consider as well. One of the people in the project was a a woman in her 30s, actually here in New York, who's just like basically been on like a 10 year dry spell with day- like she, it's just for 10 years she hasn't had a serious relationship. And one of my first you know inclinations is like, well maybe she's just looking in the wrong places. And I mean, yeah, she was on Tinder a lot, and Tinder is pretty <laughs> notorious these days for having a having a low hit rate, and that probably was part of it but at some point you have to realize like okay 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 she's got some sort of pattern here that she's right. not aware
0: of. right well it sounded like for her too she was definitely standing for way less than she deserved and taking kind yes. of like crumbs of relationships and also Absolutely. just
1: waiting for relationships to happen versus yeah. her going out and finding the right people
0: yeah it, it
2: was interesting with her Uh, you know, without spoiling too much. I, when I was working with her, I really felt like I was spending most of the time like encouraging her to be more proactive. And I, it's something I generally encourage women to do is to be more assertive and like upfront with what they want and how they feel. But then she was just meeting like the shittiest guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm like, well, maybe, yeah, actually, maybe it's good that you didn't tell him that you want to relationship after all
0: (laughs) why do you think like she kept meeting those shitty guys and she wasn't able to be like this is not a healthy situation this is not good for me like what is it that some people cannot recognize because i know i've been there before i've definitely been in Mm -hmm. situations that looking back i'm like why why did i do that to myself and i'm curious what your thoughts are
2: i think a lot of people and i see this in both men and women i think a lot of people they develop like some unconscious patterns or unconscious assumptions about like who they can date and can't, Mm -hmm. who is like an acceptable partner for them and who's not. And I, I don't even think they realize it. But they kind of self-select sometimes for a certain type of person who's just bad for them. And so they feel stuck. They're like, these are the only people I'm meeting, but none of them are good for me. When it's, they don't even realize that they're overlooking a bunch of other Mm. people like very early on in the process without realizing it.
1: Well, what was interesting about her story was her life was a hot mess before. And she turned her life around and she thought, now's the time for me to attract that right person. So I think she almost assumed that whoever she attracted in her new stage in life would be the right person.
2: Yeah. And, it, and then, you know, just to even add another layer of complexity on top of that, it actually started infiltrating. She actually started developing like a very negative set of beliefs around men in general. You know, mm. she was like, oh, well, when I was a mess, men loved me. And now that I'm like all put together and have my life in order, men don't want to have anything to do with me. So right. I guess men, men are just shit. Mm. And she de- she developed a lot of like negative beliefs around men that obviously is also not conducive to uh, to having a function because if you believe that all men are just like don't have your interests at heart then you're going to kind of unconsciously select for the ones who don't because they right. confirm what you already believe.
0: We talk about that a lot. It's mm-hmm. like you're looking for a red car, for example, and everywhere now you see red cars, so it's like totally. you kind of spotted that, and that's what you're seeking out at that point. Yeah, Absolutely. your
1: brain is an evidence finder not a truth seeker so your brain is just giving you all the evidence that your narrative is telling you right. and this is the narrative we hear from a lot of women who write into our show who say I've worked so hard to get where I am today I'm so professionally successful I have great family and friends I deserve a good man why can't I find a good man there are no good men out there yeah. and that's the narrative they keep telling themselves and they keep looking for the bad guys
2: you know this is something I say sometimes and you know, it might not be the most politically correct thing, but I, I I think it's true, which is as you and as you guys, I'm sure you guys believe too, like relationship. It's a skill set. Like you, you, mm-hmm. you have to learn these things and practice these things and develop these parts of yourselves. And I guess traditionally, if you look at previous generations, men were always kind of stereotyped as being very emotionally clueless. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's the classic male gender role was always like, okay, get really good at your career, make a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and like all the soft, touchy-feely stuff. Let women deal with it. And with feminism and with all the new gender roles, breaking down barriers and all this stuff, I think maybe there's a little bit of assumption with a lot of women that it's like, okay, well, I work my ass off on my career, I'm making all this money, but they don't realize that they never develop those emotional skills. Yeah. Right. So they they're actually in a very similar position that men traditionally were in, which is they're super successful, very proud of themselves, high self-esteem, but they never actually learned how to develop intimacy and be in a relationship.
0: A hundred percent. So I think what I love about your Audible original is that you follow people like the woman we were just talking about that kind of stands for less than ideal situations just in terms of men not committing or maybe treating her like a first priority and all that. And then you also talk about like more extreme ones, like a woman that is still dating a married man. And some of the, things that you like mm-hmm. traditionally think of how do you kind of identify when there is a bad situationship is what i was going to say but that is maybe the right word <laughs> that actually, actually is the right word I was trying to say situation, but it is situationship so <laughs> just came up <out> by default <laughs>
2: there yeah not to uh rain on your poetic new word but what, it, what do you mean by bad situationship <laughs>
0: I don't know, like a healthy relationship, right? You think of like when there's two very committed partnerships that treat each other like equals and really are giving to each other and taking as much in an equal fashion. And then there's these situations where one person is clearly not getting their needs met and continuing to go after the relationship despite feeling upset like the whole time. And I know like, I mean, I've definitely been there. It's like, I know logically, this is not a good situation. But for whatever reason, you keep doing it. And I guess like, what are some of the ways that you're you can spot when someone is in one of these unhealthy uh, Toxic situations. relationships.
2: Yeah. Gotcha. The other woman you brought up, she's a perfect example of kind of everything that we're talking about. Very high-powered woman, extremely successful in her career, extremely smart, and just stuck in a relationship with a married guy who turned out was like borderline emotionally abusive towards her. You know, one of the things that I discovered with her pretty quickly was that she grew up in such a dysfunctional household, like such an abusive childhood. That relationship she was in actually felt loving to her. Mm-hmm. That actually was the most loving relationship she had ever been in. And that was eye opening, both for me and for her, to realize that when all you've experienced is dad being drunk and like disappearing for months at a time, then sleeping with somebody at work who won't leave their wife for you is like, that's an upgrade.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all relative, basically. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but it's still not good, right? right. It's still toxic. One of the metaphors I use a lot to kind of help people determine whether their relationship is healthy or unhealthy is I think it comes down to conflict. How well you as a couple deal with fighting or Mm. uh, disagreements. Generally, what I've found is that couples that are very healthy with each other, the conflict, it kind of has this feeling of pushing a rock like down a hill. It's, you know, the more you work on it, the easier it gets. Mm. And it actually kind of brings you guys together. Whereas an unhealthy relationship, it feels like you're constantly pushing this rock up a hill. And it's Mm. like the more you push, the more difficult it gets. And then it doesn't matter how far you push it. It's just going to roll back down tomorrow anyway.
0: That's interesting because I feel like there's those situations where you walk on eggshells because you don't want to, you know, rock the boat. And I think that's definitely to what you're saying. Pushing uphill. Exactly.
2: And if your conflicts are never being resolved, I mean, that's why you walk on eggshells. Because it's it's like if your conflicts actually get resolved and bring you two closer together, then you don't mind having conflict. There's no reason to hide things from each other. But it's like if the conflict is just ripping a scab off over and over again, then it's like, okay, I'm just going to shut up and not say anything.
1: This reminds me of, remember, Julie, I told you about um, a friend of mine and she and her husband fought for two years when they right. first got married because they welcomed conflict. So they got all the conflicts out of the way and now they don't fight anymore because everything's so easy. <laughs> on the they table. They <laughs> yeah. literally got it out of the way. And now thinking to, with yeah. this period of pandemic pandemic and lockdowns, I think a lot of couples are going to have to face some of these conflicts head on right now. I think that what Mark,
0: you were saying earlier about how some of it is a skill you have to learn. So I think some of it is obviously the partner you're with, but I think a lot of it is yourself too. Because I know from personal experience, like I think when I had these more toxic relationships in my life, yes, I probably picked the wrong partner, but I also was not comfortable with addressing conflict. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I've just learned to do that through therapy, through this podcast, like all these different things. So I think some of it is your own mental state and then also finding someone that's at that same mental state.
2: Totally. I mean, this is kind of another litmus test, right? Like in a toxic relationship, people tend to bring the worst out of each other. Mm. Whereas I think in a healthier relationship, uh, your partner kind of makes you better. They see your weaknesses and flaws and they know how to adapt to it and vice versa. Whereas in a toxic relationship, it just, it makes each of you weaker.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, sense. Your story really resonated with me because I have a lot of girlfriends and also guy friends who are high powered, who are very successful. And for some reason, they define their self-worth by the pedigree of the partners they attract. Mm. (laughs) So he also went in Ivy League. He's a startup founder and he's yep. this and that. And I feel like he's a good match for me because he's pedigreed in that way. But they don't take into regard how good these people are and their personalities. <laughs> and even if they get along and even if they're compatible, I sent your Audible original to a friend of mine because it re- reminded me of her so much because for so long, she is just so incredibly smart. I think this I know is who wise. you're talking about. <laughs> no, you totally know who I'm talking about. She's so smart. This is wise. But it comes to personal relationships... She only goes for guys who are, yes, very pedigreed, but come in and out of her life. They right. weave in and out. And to her, she's created this narrative that that's okay because they're so busy doing their huge accomplishments that mm. the, the the little time that they give her, that's love. Yeah. And it's been like this for two years, you know, with the same guy. So I'm oh like, please gosh. listen to this. You need to listen to
0: this. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good... I think you were saying earlier, Mark, some of it is relative to what love you've seen and what stories you're telling. What do you do when someone like that will use that example Example is like, but I'm in love with them. What do you say to that when you know it's an unhealthy situation, but they feel that love?
2: Love is not enough. I mean, it's <laughs> like this. It, I know that sounds curt, but like really, this has kind of been my rallying cry in terms of like all my relationship advice for years now is that we we have to get over this idea that, like, oh, but I love her. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, but but I'm so in love with her. Well, right. it, it'll be okay, you know? And it's like, no, <laughs> it's not gonna be okay. In fact, it's probably Probably going to get worse you know if you're if you don't have respect if you don't have trust if people aren't committed if they aren't like you're saying you like they're they're not making that daily choice of like okay I'm going to sacrifice this to be with this person mm-hmm. it's not gonna get better so we, we have to kind of get over this idea this romantic idea you know romance is great feels wonderful and it's it's important but there are more important things to be optimizing for I think in our relationship
1: and on the flip side of that is oh but mark I'm I'm in love, flip side is relationships are all about compromise. Mm-hmm. So, when do you know you're starting to sacrifice too much to compromise for your partner?
2: Ooh, that's a good question and a tough question. I mean, I think there's a threshold where at some point, you know, everybody ends up having to compromise in relationships, but I think there are certain things that are core to your identity and your values that you that. Have to kind of be uh, sacred. That have to be off limits. It's like that that cheesy meatloaf song. I'll, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs>
1: oh, I, I used to play that on repeat, twenty four seven. I forgot you,
0: about you, that you song. Do anything for love. I was so passionate.
2: And I know, right? But but you have. We all have to have a that. I think what people don't realize is that. If you're willing to give up everything, everything, every part of who you are, everything you care about, everything you value, you are removing the person that your partner fell in love with in the first place. You're kind of just gutting yourself emotionally of all content. It's self-defeating. It may be, it's one of those things that will maybe smooth things over in the short run, but it's uh, in the long run, it makes things worse.
1: Let's hold that thought for a second. We'll get right back to it. You need to create a p- playlist that takes people through this journey. It starts with a John Lennon song, All You Need Is Love, and then you go to Meatloaf, and then you you start getting into um, Nine, Nine Inch, inch Nails. Nails, Love Is Not Enough, and then you just get into like some really real songs, you know, maybe like uh, one of the rap songs, but you, you just take people through a journey.
2: I, I, I see many lawsuits in my
0: future. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to do that business idea. Yeah, a lot, a lot of copyright infringement. How about <laughs> a private idea. playlist,
1: just so we can hear, just for us? Yeah, there you
0: go. So, I think one of the things that you talk about a lot is boundaries, which mm. is very important. And I think we hear this over and over again. I guess how would you define boundaries? Because I think there's something a little scary about the word boundaries. Mm. At least I feel that way sometimes.
2: Yeah, I, I think people kind of recoil at the idea of erecting barriers. You know, we like to we yeah. like to. Ha- have the idea that, you know, we can be open about everything and we can love everybody. And, you know, it's like life doesn't work that way. Like there has to be a certain expectations of conduct between two people. And at the core of it, I I define boundaries as basically being each person takes responsibility for their own actions and their own emotions. And they Mm. don't take responsibility for the other person's actions and emotions. Uh, And so what you see in a lot of relationship situations is one person is kind of a deadbeat or down on their luck or whatever. And the partner's like, oh, well, I'll get him a job and I'll mm-hmm. pay his rent and I'll make sure, you know, oh, I'm going to send him back to school. And like, just, yeah. you know, they start trying to fix the other person. Mm. While building and,
1: uh, resentment at the same time.
2: <laughs> totally. And and, <laughs> the, and the person being fixed is building resentment too, because right. yes. it's like their autonomy is being impeded upon. There are a lot of dynamics that play out. One I call the breaker and the fixter, one I call the runner and the chaser, which sounds like your friend. Mm-hmm. It's when one person is always pulling back from the relationship and the other person is always stepping forward to try to catch mm. them and bring them back. It's a way to kind of experience the feeling of intimacy without actually having to expose yourself and be intimate with somebody. And so when we have porous and bad boundaries, we start developing these patterns with people and the patterns become very destructive. They create a lot of drama. They create a lot of conflict unnecessarily. And uh, neither person is really getting their needs met.
0: So what is an example of like the breaker and a fixer? Like what's a healthy boundary that you could put in place if you're in that situation?
2: So I can call on my own personal history here. You know, my first relationship in my life, I was the fixer and my girlfriend was the breaker. And Mm. we were young. We were both very like emotionally dysfunctional. Ultimately, their strategy, strategies to feel loved and feel important and feel needed. She found that if she could cause problems, I would come and fix them. And when I fixed them, it made me feel needed and loved. And Mm -hmm. when I fixed them for her. She felt loved. But the problem is, is that as soon as I fix a problem, well, now she's got to find some something else to break. you know? Because it's like, oh yeah. shit, he's not fixing something. I don't know if I'm loved anymore. Here, let me break this. And so it was just kind of the spiral of drama over and over. And it was just over stupid things. And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. Ultimately, the only way it stops is one of the two people opts out of the cycle. So in the case of a breaker, the breaker would have to say, you know what? I don't want you to fix anything for me anymore. You know, I don't want you to get me a job. I don't want you to pay my rent. I don't want you to try to take care of me. I need to do this myself. And in the case of the fixer, it's it's saying the flip side of that, which is like, you know what? I'm not helping you anymore. You need to stand up on your own, take care of yourself. be res- I still love you, but you need to be responsible for yourself. And generally in very unhealthy relationships. Like if there's not a whole lot of mutual respect and trust there, as soon as one person opts out, the relationship breaks. And that actually mm. happens with Vanessa. I spend the first couple of conversations with her, spoilers, but I, <laughs> fin- I spend the first, first couple of conversations with her, teaching her about boundaries and teaching her how to opt out of these cycles with the the married man. And it's funny because she originally came to me and she's like, I don't know how to break up with him. I don't know how to break up with him. I want to get out. I want to get out. And it turned out she didn't even have to do anything at All she had to do was simply stop playing the game. Right. And he immediately broke up with her. It's like, wow, you're done. You know, like.
0: (laughs) Well, it kind of goes back to your litmus test earlier, like if someone's willing to work with you on conflict or not. And a lot of times in these situations, like you just said, they're not willing to work with you. So it just ends. I don't know. I mean, if there was a situation where someone felt like they were the fixer and the breaker, but then they had that healthy boundary, and at that point the two partners were able to work together, maybe it would turn more healthy. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, so the 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 alternative outcome is, you know, let's say the breaker is like, you know what, I don't want you to fix my problems anymore. I need to do this on my own, and the fixer is like, oh yeah, okay that's fine because what you're doing is you're relieving the fixer of the responsibility of dealing with all these things and so both people can sit with that and not freak out and not lash out at each other then it it actually that is how you transition into a healthy relationship
0: got it so it's not always doomed
1: <laughs> there's a it's way not to always. turn it around no,
2: <laughs> you it can be fixed yeah it can be fixed or or i don't like the word fixed like yeah. it can it can evolve
1: right and what about with the chaser and the runner? What are some boundaries they can set?
2: Yeah. It's just I'm not going to chase anymore. In the simple case of so like the woman we were talking about, like she had a guy who was just ghosting her constantly and I'm like, "Well, look, like be straight up. Like, do you want to date me? If yes, right. stop ghosting me. If <laughs> no, peace." You know right. like that's a boundary, right? It's like when you draw a line in the sand and you say, I am no longer tolerating this behavior and this is what's going to happen. And sure enough, he ghosted her again and it, and it's like it it fell apart.
0: Well, I think people have trouble with boundaries because they're afraid of that outcome. Like, I think there's a lot of feeling like, well, at least I have someone, at least I have something going on. And not to say that that's healthy, but I think that's where the boundary creation gets scary.
1: And also, you have to know where your intentions for the boundaries come from. You can't set these boundaries hoping for him to say, no, I want to be with you. And then you're super disappointed when he doesn't do that. You actually (laughs) have to believe in the boundary that you're setting. It It can't be a game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's anytime you gamify anything in relationships, you're ruining it. And it, it's, it's what, yeah, what you, what you just said reminds me of like when I wrote my men's dating book, which, which is, it's called attract women through honesty. I mm-hmm. used to get emails when it first came out, I used to get emails from guys. And and this is back when the whole pickup artist thing was going on. And uh, yeah. I used to get emails from guys and they're like, like, Hey Mark, uh, read your book it was really cool. But, uh, you know, I tried the whole honesty thing. It didn't work, man. <laughs> It's like it totally didn't get laid. You are missing the point. You are doing it wrong.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I think that, though, that ties into this whole, like, you brought this up in the um, Audible original of, like, this holding on to a fantasy. And I do think that is part of why people don't want to create the boundary. How do you think, like, this idea of pretending like things are going to work out or pretending like things are great or you... I don't know. Can see a future with someone that might not be in your life at all. Whatever that fantasy is, how do you think that is destructive to people?
2: Uh, the fantasy thing was really interesting. So when I went into this project, it was pretty obvious that there are going to be a few themes, just because I've been writing about this stuff for so long. Right. So I, I knew I knew boundaries were going to come up. You know, I knew vulnerability and honesty was going to come up. That always comes up. Uh, the fantasy thing was really interesting be- because that was the one thing that. I started connecting the dots on that as the project went on. I started mm. to realize. So there was one one woman who came in. Her issue was specifically around fantasy. She actually mm. like compulsively fantasized about another woman who was not her partner. And it was causing all sorts of stress and problems in her life. And at first I was kind of like, oh, she she's a little bit of the oddball here. Like her pro like everybody else had like boundary issues and honesty issues and self-esteem issues and all this stuff. And it's like, you've got this one woman who's just like got this fantasy thing going on. But as the project went on, I started to realize that all these other people had fantasy issues too. It's just that their fantasies weren't as, I guess, obvious, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? So there's, there's one man in it who is named Jerry and he's twice divorced and both divorces were catastrophic. Um, I mean, he's, he's got like some, PTSD type things going on from them, and he's in a, his first new relationship, and he's really into his girlfriend, and he starts he he's struggling with like every like he's literally afraid to tell her that he thinks it's too cold in the room because he, like talk about walking on eggshells like he yeah, is mm-hmm. like he's terrified to even like tap his toe on an eggshell uh, because <laughs> mm-hmm. because he's just like so traumatized from his 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 past.
1: Yeah, uh, he doesn't even have eggs in his room. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I started to realize that it's like, wait, Jerry's got fantasy going on too, which is in his head, the fantasy is, is if I asked to turn the AC down my girlfriend's going to get angry at me. Mm. Like that's completely irrational and unreasonable. It's like just as detached from reality as some of these other fantasies. And so I started to notice this in other people I was talking to. And I'm like, huh. And then, of course, obviously you think about the love and romance thing and, and you know, the Disney fantasy of, mm. you know, living happily ever after and everything. And, and um, so fantasy ended up becoming one of like the central themes of the project. We fantasize a lot about love and we invent these stories in our heads about our partners, about our relationships, about people we want to date or people we think who would be perfect for us. And a lot of times these fantasies are A, completely detached from reality. Mm -hmm. And so they end up hurting us a lot. B, a lot of times they're they're kind of a defense mechanism. They're Mm -hmm. a way to protect ourselves from having to face reality.
0: That's fascinating because I always think of it like the Disney. Positive.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because a fantasy, by definition, is being detached from reality. But we kind of think, oh, if I'm fantasizing about something, it must be, <laughs> it must be something really positive. <laughs> yeah, it must be really yeah. good. Yeah, that's fascinating. And so we've talked about the three characters, right? I'm calling them characters. They're real people. The <laughs> three <not>. subjects <laughs> that you had. Can you give us quick summaries of the other two?
2: Sure. The other two. One is a thirty-something-year-old man from Utah named Mike, and Mike is Mike's the best man. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk about detached from reality. Yeah, it's fun. I want to meet him. He's a great guy. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that like you actually start kind of feeling bad for him. You know, I mm. think about halfway through because uh, originally he came to me. He was like, "Man, I can't get off Tinder. I'm just like." <laughs> I'm like addicted to Tinder. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, all right. Like I, I think I, I did a preliminary call with him, like, let's see where this goes. And he just ended up being such a character <laughs> uh that I was like, oh my God, I have I have to talk to this guy. Um <laughs> And so yeah, I mean he he's just completely deluded. Uh he bought his ex-girlfriend a house to try to get her back. I'm just like
0: insane. Was he thought he whoa. was the one that would like fly all over the place for like a first date? Was that the same guy? Or he I I the oh, right, him out. All right, you talk him it. down from that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're yeah. like no,
0: don't fly across the country for a yeah, first date. Like, like, it, talk it, about
1: fantasizing, right? Oh,
2: yeah, man. Yeah, and it's funny too cuz he's he's uh you know on paper you would never Assume that. Like he's he's a button up corporate guy from Utah, Republican, like very manly, like renovates his own house and like builds his own drywall and all this crap. And like and he's just like the most rampant fantasizer and romantic. Maybe in the in the entire project.
0: You know what we get? People that reach out, being like, "Is it a good idea that I go to like um, France and meet up with this guy for a weekend?" Like this <laughs> like, is definitely like, no. <laughs> no. We're like, <laughs> if you
1: want to go on
0: a trip, go, but don't go because like you think that this is gonna happen. And like they're like, "Yeah, but he doesn't want to do long distance." But should I still go anyways? And we're like,
1: <laughs> yeah. They keep creating excuses for the other person. I always say, stop being someone's publicist. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's not your yeah, job, right? You need to stop defending them and making it's, making them sound so good. It's
2: amazing how, and I mean, these are usually like they're smart people, right? Yeah. They're like, they're, and they're very competent in other areas of their lives. But it's it's just amazing how, for a lot of us, and I know I was the same way for a long time. Like my IQ just gets cut in half, and I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Let's go do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's,
0: yeah. and it's,
2: I, no, it's horrible.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think it is the fantasy that all you need is love, like what we talked about earlier because I mean I've definitely experienced that too is like I thought no matter how much I love someone like all the other problems didn't matter like I could make I could fix it right I know we don't like the word fix but I actually thought that for a while that Julie can you give us an
1: example of a time you did that because I can think of one in particular this is when I was in New York yeah I was in love with the sky and we broke up because I was just being crazy on my own. And I thought that if I would run into him on his way out of work, that we would have this encounter (laughs) and we would slow-mo run into each other's arms and say that we love each other. So I literally would walk past the street every day around 6.30 knowing he got off work around that time, hoping to run into him. Never did, thank God, because I wouldn't. I, he would have def- wow. definitely known I was a stalker. But in my mind, I kept thinking, we just need that one more chance encounter. And when we, when the universe brings us together in his eyes, we will fix everything and everything will be perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think
0: my yeah. example is a little different, which is actually good because <laughs> it can show the extreme differences of how this shows up in people's lives. But like I was in a relationship for over a year with someone that I really truly loved and he loved me as well. But he just had other things going on in his life, like in terms of just challenges he was facing that was totally external to our relationship that mm-hmm. prevented it from getting to that next level. Like of <laughs> getting married, moving in together, Mm -hmm. all of that. And I think for so long, I thought I could fix those problems. And the problems were things he really had to do on his own. And I just couldn't like it just wasn't possible. So yeah, I think it really can range to like, what you were just saying, you having this fantasy of like, running in and saving the day versus being in something really thick with someone where two people like I do strongly believe in my heart that we both really do love each other. It just didn't Mm -hmm. work because love, is
2: not enough yeah right person wrong time my fantasy story is pretty similar to yours uh,
0: that
2: that first girlfriend that toxic relationship so you know like most toxic young especially young toxic relationships we uh we broke up and got back together like five different times and after one of the i think actually it was the last breakup and we were doing long distance because we were we had ended up we went to different universities that last breakup i was like you know what i'm not going to stand for this i'm going to like show her that i love her and that you know, I'm committed to this, and blah blah blah. And so I got—I didn't tell her anything. I got on a bus, sat on oh, a bus for no. eight, eight hours.
1: <laughs> you started with a bus. <laughs> bus is never a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it never goes so well downhill. On fast. a bus ticket.
2: <laughs> Showed up at her apartment. Oh God. <laughs> unannounced. Oh. And uh, yeah, it didn't go well. Oh. <laughs> I mean, she let me stay for the night, but yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, thank like, goodness!
2: Yeah, she's like, you gotta, you gotta get out of here. <laughs> it,
0: w- it wasn't as romantic as you had played back in your no. head.
2: <laughs> No.
0: You know what, though? Okay, what is the line, though? Because I this actually made me think of another situation I was in. Like last year, I, a relationship of mine ended because my boyfriend lost his visa and had to move back to the UK. And I think I am definitely more of an emotional person. And he was very logical. And I was all for doing long distance and really trying to make it work. And he was like, realistically, like, how is this going to work? Like it was very black Mm. and white. And I think everything he said made sense. And I don't fault him. But I do also believe if two people are really committed to something and in it, they can make something work. And maybe that's me being having the fantasy. I don't know what's the line because it's not necessarily ideal to live our lives with no fantasy either.
2: Sure. The fantasy is okay, as long as it kind of exist within the bounds of trust. So for instance, like flying to to France to meet a guy that you've never right. met before. Like right, yeah, you know. don't know this person. <laughs> right. They could be an axe murderer. Like it's that's unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. You know, whereas if you've been dating somebody for five years and they moved to France, then yeah, flying out there totally makes sense. You know, maybe right. that will re- reignite something. Maybe that maybe the, that will lead to a conversation that could create something. It's one of those things where the relationship kind of has to earn the fantasy it has to earn the right to the fantasy. The, the fantasy can't save a relationship. It has to like magnify uh, yeah. what's already there.
0: And there needs to be context. I think like in history. I think like we think the big romantic gesture can save it. And yeah. then <laughs> if it, it works comes, in the movies, yeah. Ex- <laughs> and I think that's where we got at this idealistic version, right? It's like we totally. think that, like you said, if your story was a movie that you took a bus to see your ex. That would not have ended probably the way it ended, right? Yeah. And that's
1: what gives us this false hope and ideas. Yeah. We've talked about fucked up relationships. I think now it's <laughs> a good time to talk about healthy relationships and some takeaways and parting advice. Before we get into that, Mark, do you believe everyone's just inherently fucked up? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, boom. All right, there we go. There's the easy. takeaway. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. We're all fucked up.
2: I, I uh, there's a, I saw an interview of a artist that I'm a fan of once, and he had like the best description of love that I've ever seen. He said, true love is when two people with complementing pathologies meet.
0: <laughs> ah, <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. Well, I guess that's a good question, though. It's because we do want to leave this on a positive note. It's like, if everyone is fucked up... And- <laughs> Like, what are some ways that we can start? I mean, we talked about boundaries, we talked about being realistic and fantasy, but what are some other ways that you can start kind of taking ownership and having Mm. healthy relationships?
2: I strongly believe that the healthiness of your relationships is going to be a reflection of your emotional Mm -hmm. healthiness yourself. Right. So, I mean, the first thing that anybody can do is just start getting right with themselves, start dealing with their own problems individually, go to therapy, read books, you know, meditate, do whatever you need to do to get to a good spot yourself. Because this is kind of the problem that you were alluding to earlier. If you feel like you need somebody to compensate Mm -hmm. for how bad you feel yourself, it's never going to turn out well. You need to feel good yourself and then partner is simply somebody who adds to that.
0: I think also you talked about in the Audible original about just like having the courage to love. And I think that actually is really important. And something we've talked about on other episodes, too, is I think a lot of times some of this game playing and some of this like setting up a boundary to see if they're going to break it and follow through, whatever that may be. A lot of that is a distraction of finding love. And having that courage. Like how do people kind of break through and have that courage?
2: It's hard because it's proportional to a willingness to be hurt. I mean, ultimately, I think people who go through painful breakups and and I I get a lot of emails, especially from younger people who have just had their first heartbreak. And, you know, we all remember our first heartbreak. We thought the world was going to end. you know, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't. And in fact, you end up being much better for it. Yep. And, you know, I, tr- I try to remind people of that that it's actually going through that experience and, and seeing that the world doesn't end, seeing that there are other people out there for you, seeing that you can survive on your own, that you can be happy on your own. That's what gives you the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to take this leap with this person and see, see what happens. And I hope it goes well. But if it doesn't, I'll be fine. That allows you to engage the relationship from a place of confidence and strength.
1: I always say, Say that love can't be found. It can be felt. Mm. And I say this a lot because I feel like by people saying I'm here to find love, it's like an object that just right. exists in the road and you just find it and somehow <laughs> you take it in. But to feel love, it's you have to feel it from within. And when you feel love, you are putting the accountability on yourself to do that and not just trying to find it somewhere. So it really goes hand in hand with our conversation where yes, love is not enough, but love is the beginning of you putting yourself out there to at least open to feeling that. Once you feel that, how do you constantly choose to feel the love and work on your relationship.
0: I love that. And that's a great way to kick off takeaways. I mean, I think the other big takeaway I had from this conversation is also just understanding why you're doing certain things. Like for example, if you're living in a fantasy, is that because you're just afraid to be in love? Like are you afraid mm-hmm. to bring love into your life? Like what is the root of where this is coming from? And I think the other big takeaway is if you're in an unhealthy situation, it's better to confront that reality and either work your way out of it. I think that was reassuring that it doesn't necessarily be that you're in a toxic relationship It needs to be toxic forever. But I think having, again, the courage, it all comes back to courage, to be able to say, okay, well, if I do bring this up, I state my needs, I say what I need in a relationship and they're not willing to meet me or have a conversation, I'm okay walking away from this. And yeah. I think that courage is equally as important as the courage to actually find love. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: that's really fantastic. My biggest takeaway from something you said, Mark, and it just blew my mind. I wrote it down in, in big <laughs> capital letters <laughs> <laughs> fix versus evolve. And oh let's yes. Just, can we just simmer on that for a sec yes. because we always say, "Oh, I have this problem," even just like your own personal development problems. "I have a problem that I'm always late. I need to fix that problem." Fixing seems so drastic because mm-hmm. it's turning one action and you're you're fixing yourself and going the flip side, going a perfect 180. And it doesn't happen like that. But evolve is so different. It visually to me, it seems like you're climbing a different hill and just making the, those small baby steps. So in relationships too, it's not about fixing your problems and your issues, it's about evolving from them. And I think that is a, the most brilliant way to distinguish how we can evolve as a couple. And I also love this idea of um, identifying the fantasies you've had, whether they're positive <laughs> or negative. Yeah. In fact, maybe all fantasies have a negative impact because they're not reality. So maybe just even plotting out your love history and seeing what were some of the disconnect? What did you want to happen? Mm-hmm. Identify that as a fantasy and identify what the reality was. And then you were able to to find that delta of oh, that's where that fantasy came from. Okay, that's where my fantasy was, and that's where the reality yeah. was. That I would do that today. That's a <laughs> great action
0: item for people.
2: <laughs> and it's I'll even I'll even throw in my own takeaway. Yes, I, mean, yeah, one, I do. One thing that was cool about the fantasy thing from the project was I realized that this is something that we all do, and it's it's something that we all continue to do. Like I, even though like I'm happily married, have been married for years now. I notice that even within my marriage, I create these stories or these fantasies mm-hmm. of like what a marriage is supposed to be, what is a husband supposed to do, what is a wife supposed to do, and over and over again, I realize like, well, wait, why? That's not necessarily true. Like, why? Why do I think that is true? Why am I assuming that? Why do I think that I need that to be happy? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's something that. It's a lesson that is it's kind of born out of the dating world, but it's it continues to be valuable even in committed relationship land.
0: Well, Brene Ooh. Brown, she does this with her husband too. So I agree, it doesn't end on dating at all. Yeah. But her thing is like when there's something that she's feeling uncomfortable with, she'll say to him, The story in my head is X. And Mm -hmm. it's really putting out there that this is how I'm feeling right this minute. That might be completely invalid, but let's just talk about it. Let's have an open communication and see if this is valid or a total fantasy. And Mm -hmm. I think that's like a great way to build a healthy relationship. Like we talked about earlier, it all comes down to how you navigate conflict So putting that stuff out there and being vulnerable with it is a great way to go from something that might feel more toxic or fantasy land or whatever it is to healthy. And this
1: is so much about what What you've done in Love Is Not Enough is hearing these people talk about what they're going through and just hearing them speak. I feel like they've started to resolve their own issues because sometimes you just have to put it out there in words or on paper. And when you read it or view it from a third party's perspective, it becomes so much more clear.
0: I think yeah. that goes back to the whole evolution piece, too. And we're talking about this and we've all I mean, we all shared our own situations, too. No one is immune to this. Like everyone has been in less than ideal situations or situationships, as we mentioned. Yeah. And <laughs> I think you kind of have to go through it. It lets you see what you'll never stand for again. And I think Mm -hmm. like until you've had these experiences, I think where it becomes toxic is when you keep having the same experiences over and over again and not learning from it, but also cut yourself some slack if you have had one of these
1: situations because it's okay. Everyone's been there. You got to have them to learn from them. Exactly. Mark, any parting advice for daters out there who want to be in healthy relationships Today,
2: uh, well, considering we're in quarantine,
1: uh, <laughs> start fantasizing quarantine yeah, yeah, love. Yeah,
2: yeah, that whole thing about fantasy. Uh, yeah. You know, like, take the next couple months and fantasize like crazy. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, it's hard today. Uh, I, I think it's become such a more complex world you know, since I I started writing dating advice years and years ago. But I I think, you know, the core principles hold true. And I think it's ultimately the biggest challenge today is less of the tactics or the nuts and bolts of dating. I think a lot of the, the problem today is simply getting clear on Screening for the right person and Mm -hmm. knowing your values, knowing what you want in your life, uh, knowing what you will and will not stand for, and then use the abundance of connection today to start filtering aggressively uh, to find people who match those things. So it's using video
1: calls to scream.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) I mean, another quarantine. You could use this time to self reflect. Like this is a really good time, like to put dating a little on the back burner. Not to say you can't do the video calls, but maybe it's really getting clear with looking at your past list of fantasies, the idea, uh, totally. the action item, or even just like what you just said of really pin- pinpointing what is it, the core values that really are essential for you. Yeah, that's step number one.
2: Yeah, I, I've writing a lot about you know the last few weeks about how people should use this time to kind of evaluate themselves, evaluate their lives, what they want in their lives, what they don't want in their lives. And so I think that's a huge first step. It will... If this thing ends up going on for a long time, you know, obviously people will want to start dating again at some point. Right. Uh, so it, it could start to get super interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. um,
2: but I don't think we're there yet. I think right now, I agree. It's focus on yourself first,
1: date yourself. There you go.
0: <laughs> Maybe only yourself if you're quarantined with yourself. <laughs>
1: hey guys, yeah. so before we wrap this up, can I just bring it back to the meatloaf song because I I never really thought about the lyrics because I would I would just sing literally the chorus, which is I would do anything for love, but then he says, but I won't do that. What What do you think that refers to? Because to me, I'm like anal I, I don't know, know. like I what, what is it that you <laughs> <laughs> i would do anything for a up but nope i won't do that
2: <laughs> i mean every every time i've heard this song my mind has gone to very dark fucked up places yeah. <laughs> so
0: murder I won't. maybe all this time he was just helping be ambiguous so everyone could figure out what their own that is mm. there you go
1: wow so
0: deep or, or it was anal me. i don't know what so <laughs> <Or laughs> <anal, yeah. laughs>
1: He's like, fuckers, I just wanted to talk about anal. That's all.
2: Meatloaf, the dating guru. (laughs)
1: Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being part of this conversation. Um, For anybody who would love to listen to A Love Is Not Enough, you can download it on Audible, and you can find out more information at markmanson.net.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: So we'll wrap this up. Stay 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 dateable the dateable podcast is part of the frolic media network find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts you can follow us on instagram at Datable podcast and visit dateablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs also make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on apple Podcasts, spotify or your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes and most importantly stay dateable